broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome back to another week of The Hunting Show. I'm your host, Stephen Spargo. And what I'd like to say is, although many, many people enjoyed the show we did with the T-Boy Hunting Club and the boys out there, and that's become a little bit of a pilgrimage for me each year, and, and thank you guys for how welcoming you really were. We got some good feedback about that, but I'm continued, or continuing, getting feedback about the interview I did with David Benfell from NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, and those guys are hugely supportive of what we do at the hunting show. In fact, um, if you look on the second to back page, you'll see a beautiful ad there about the hunting show. Thanks uh, to them for that, and remember, you can win a 12-month subscription to their magazine. But David and I did a show basically about our opinions, and if you go back through the archives of shows, you'll notice I very rarely talk about my opinion and what it is. And for once, I let loose and really gave my opinions. And most of you, most of you agreed and sort of gave two thumbs up to everything that we had to say. A lot of you were quite opinionated on the one point, and that was returning New Zealand's bush back to the way it was 200 years ago. If we could, would that be a good or bad thing? And David and I both sort of came to the same conclusion, in one way it would be great, and in lots of ways it wouldn't be so great, because obviously that would leave us in a situation where our sport and our craft would be in jeopardy, because the animals that we hunt would no longer be on public land. And I've had a couple of nasty emails about us being negative, and I want to clarify one thing. David and I both never really got to an end. We never really said what the total outcome of that was. David made one point that he'd like to leave it the way it is and let those animals run around because he thinks that they don't do any harm. And one person actually sent us an email via Facebook and said that I said that. You were you were actually misinformed. misinformed. But secondly, that uh, they, they added on that those animals do do quite a lot of harm and hurt our native bush. And, and look, I, I want to be... I want to be corrected. I'd like you to send us some real information about that. Send us photos, send us evidence that deer do harm our native bush and it may be about the long-term damage that they do because I think it's going to be a really interesting topic and that's not to say that it's going to stop us from hunting or wanting to hunt these animals and wanting to look after them and, and make sure that they have a, a really successful um, breeding cycle, all that kind of stuff. So don't take it that way. I just want to see some real evidence that these animals do do damage to our native forest. And that was a really long-winded way, way of getting to our interview this uh, today. And I've, I'm joined here. We're in a pub. And this is the second week in a row I've done an interview from a pub. And I really didn't <laughs> want to. And then I was offered a beer. And James, James Bell, you know, you're a territory manager for Jetboil. Thank you so much for buying me a beer. It's, it's, it's always great. But James, uh, tell us, first of all, a little bit about yourself. Um, so I come from the Great Lakes of Ontario, Canada, and uh, a couple of months back I was invited to a sports group basically to help booster sales a little bit, but mostly help with uh, with support, because our big mandate that we were all about is just getting people back into the outdoors. Um, I get exposed to some pretty nasty elements, so I'm a bit of a torture test victim when it comes to a lot of the products that we, that we represent. Um, so, you know, it just seemed like a really, really great fit. I mean, from my background in the high alpine as well as growing up on the Great Lakes. So far, it's become a beautiful place. Uh, James, we're here tonight to talk about 
jet boil. And the first thing I want to do is actually spark one of these things up. And I have to say, I, and if you've listened to previous shows, I don't do reviews. And I'm not going to review the product except going to say, I really love my jet boil. It comes with me everywhere I go into the hills now. And before I owned one, I was a little bit sceptical and sold, you know. And I do have a couple of questions about jet boil I want to ask you. And these are personal questions and it's going to be an interesting or interesting to hear your answer but let's do this let's spark one of these up and I want you to talk us through that process because this is theater of the mind tell us what we're doing and how how quickly it is um first of all the jet boil comes in one one unit doesn't it everything fits inside it yeah the advantage with jet boil is the fact that it's all parts contained into itself so it makes a really really easy packet you know to, to pack which is sweet I mean the first part of it is removing um the other thing part of the equation is our fuel our fuel is pretty unique. Um, it is a blend of many different mixtures. It's not just butane, but the way I can, but the difference is, is that it lasts longer than anything else that I've used. And I've used a lot of other manufacturers um, just to, to see. And the easiest way that I compare it is, you know, there's lots of places that make fried chicken, you know, and use 11 herbs and spices, but it doesn't mean it's KFC. You know, it's the same kind of kind of deal here. So essentially, once we place our fuel onto our burner and then our main cup on top, when we fill it up, you know, with the flash, we're using about a liter of water. About this sucker is the fact that it's got a piezo ignition. You know, everything is windproof until you put a match to it. Yeah, and, and matches generally aren't that windproof. The other cool thing that I like about it is you don't have to turn on tons of fuel. You can already get sound that the fact that the gas is flowing, but then it sparks right off the get-go. So that's what enables it to be a little bit more wind and weather resistant, but more importantly, it's idiot-proof. Now, what we've done here, we've also we've, we've presented you a bit of a challenge. We've got fridge-chilled water. So this is the hardest um, uh, thing we're going to do to this thing today. I mean, this is colder than you're going to get in any of New Zealand's streams. Uh, in fact, it can't be that far off freezing. And the ambient temperature, because we're outside the pub, must be about 6 or 7 degrees. So we're really in a, a reasonable sort of environment to test this out. It's started to boil. Now, while that's boiling, I've got some questions for you. First of all, um, my wife and I, Mrs. Spargo, had a bit of a debate about what this thing is. Now, there's a little flap on the outside and I've been thinking about this I was up in the hills looking at this thing in the back of Kiko Road trying to figure out what it was and she had an idea of what it was in, in about two seconds of looking at it which really pissed me off actually um, but I want to know if, if she was right I'm going to tell you if she was right or wrong in just a moment what is this little flap of neoprene that's sitting on the outside it's to hold your spoon or your fork oh, <laughs> she was right because um, I thought it was something really technical and it would I, I had all sorts of wild ideas and it's not in the book James it's not it's not in the book but neither the instructions for your iPad <laughs> okay so that was something I was really um, I, I'm a little bit annoyed that she was right actually and she does listen to the show Jessica I'm really sorry you were right and I was wrong ah, it hurt. Just in that statement though you're winning you know that right <laughs> Yeah, I probably am. Now, the other question I'd like to say is something I've I've heard of is you just can't boil these suckers dry, eh? They just uh, what happens? No, you can't. I mean, you can't boil anything dry. We have actually had a uh, a person try to return one because they made popcorn in it. Um, I don't make popcorn. There are some really cool brownie recipes, um, all of various types. Um, but yeah, popcorn bad. Okay, the the, the but it's no different than any other cooking pot or, or pan that you would have on a stove at home. 
you know, if you're going to cook it so that and it's dry and there's nothing to absorb heat, then something's got to do it. And if the material does, then it buckles and, you know, and, and things just get messy. So, you know, at the end of the day, always have something clean. It's, you know, it's a, it's a cooker. It's not an oven. And that's almost boiling. Look at that. So tell us a little bit about this indicator. By the way, this isn't an infomercial. I was just really interested to find out more about it. So if you, if you actually get really close, you'll actually even hear it's already even starting to pump. Um, the cool thing, though, that I love about it is the fact that it has a visual indicator that changes color. So it goes to a bright yellow. So you can see from across your site when, when supper's ready, you know, um, or when you're ready to make coffee. You know, this sucker right now, it's already starting to shake and stir and, and go. It's, I mean, generally, we usually get, on average, in realistic conditions, you know, just over 2-minute, 20-second boil time um, out of it. The reason why we put the visual indicator, it's just to make it even, again, really, really easy for everyone to use. You know, and now I'm getting a really nice steam facial. It's yeah. quite fantastic. Yeah. So that, that, that thing's boiling the snot of it. You can turn it off now if you, if you want to. Now, I just want to say how I use my jet boil is I chuck, like, I'm a tea drinker. Yeah. So I boil the snot out of it. Then I chuck a, a, a tea bag in there, leave it for a few minutes, and then I kind of sip away, because I drink black tea. So I sip away at that for the rest of the day. And every now and then I just give it another burst and, and reheat it. Um, that, that's how I use it. But is, am I doing it right? No, you're, you're spot on, man. I do the same thing with coffee. Um, we actually do pre-made plungers for these and they're already set up so for me i do the same thing even when i'm on the road i have one um and if i need a little bit of a siesta like i'll pull over get my my water boiling you know pop my beans in there no problem plunge it down after a couple of minutes and, and you're good to go you don't need another cup or anything it's got a handle you know and but also it's wrapped in neoprene so you're not going to burn your hand but the other nice thing is because of the cup spare cup that we provide with it on the bottom it's immediately even tent safe to put underneath this is not a, an infomercial and james you'll verify it's not we really i just wanted to talk to you about it um that's why we're having beer <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah you're yeah, trying to beer on on media you know <laughs> that's right um i wasn't sure if i could chuck it straight back into that bottom but i would have just assumed it would have melted eh? no absolutely it's totally safe I mean, that's a part of the safety feature. I mean, this is one of the things that I think is really is, is unique about Jetboil is, you know, for the diehard outdoorsman who knows all the rules, you know, you can use anything. That's fine. You know, you, you can wrap, rub, you know, a flint and some leaves together. It'll work. The thing that's nice with this is, is for kids, families, and people who are getting are new into it or just want something they don't have to think about. You know, you got better things to think about in the bush, like what you're going after next, you know, and how many days you wore your underwear. Um, with this, it's just immediately safe. It's super, super stable. You don't have to worry who you pass it to. It's just, it's those little things that just make it a little bit more relaxing of a product to use. Okay. I'll tell you the thing that pisses me off about my jet boil. Um, and that is that I can't simmer in it. And I know you've got an answer for this because you just you did that naughty smiley thing. I've got it. I've got one of these jet boils, which is your standard old. Nearly tipped it over, burnt myself. Then I've got the, <laughs> no, no. I've got this the, the, the standard old jet boil, yes, and the, it, flash. the yes. flash model, right? Yeah, that's right. And I love it, and it works great. But I do find that I can't simmer in it, nor can I actually put my dehigh food in there and, and cook it up that way, Because eh? otherwise, I don't either. I actually put my dehigh, um, especially the breakfasts, are really really good. Um, except the beans. Don't do the beans. They, they never turn out right. Yeah, no. um, but um, the, the flash and the zip, which are our more basic models, they're great for boiling. 
But if you want to cook and you want to become a bit of an aficionado and simmer and all that jazz, um, there's a couple of better models. And the new one that we just released is called the Minimo, which I'm really stoked about for a couple reasons. One, it's just it has a regulator to it, so the gas isn't just on or off. You can actually vary how much, so it simmers better, um, which is great. The other thing that's cool about it is that the heat doesn't change with altitude. So it's always constant. Um, so you get better consistent results. So for like one of the things I love cooking in cookers in the, in the bush, especially if you're trying to impress someone, and I don't care whether it's a chick or a guy, you're still, you're still showing off. Um, end of the day. Hang on, James, this isn't Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> no, but you know what? But some, if you can make something a little bit better than pancake mix, at least where I come from, then, then you're winning points, right? And we usually make a lot of bannock, especially up in like Algonquin Park and stuff, which is basically a pancake mix. I do pad thai in these, and it's a lot easier to, to, to boil your eggs up, especially when you can when you can simmer at colder temperature at, at cold temperatures and lower heats. Um, so that's the cool thing with Minimo. The thing that's also different about it is the shape. It's a little bit lower and it's a little bit wider. Okay, this is something that because I, I looked at the Minimo and I haven't had a chance to try one of these, and I just gave you a wink. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to try a Minimo yet, but I didn't know if I liked the shape. I'm not sure. Is it the same total dimensions? It looks bigger, or if I just it just looks bigger. No, it's just it's short and fat. So the idea with it. And we've all had one of those. <laughs> and still just as effective. So the big advantage with Minimo is that it is shorter and it is wider. So it's a little easier to eat as a bowl. But the big thing that I like about it is it gives you a better forking angle. So the idea being that, you know, you're not getting your knuckles into it. It's just, it, it sits a little bit more relaxed, um, which I think is great. And it just makes it a little bit of an easier tool to eat food out of, um, especially. But it's that next level. It also has more markings for measurements and stuff for that guy who's who's getting a little more into it, as opposed to the guy who's, like, who's just like, oh, yeah, I just want to boil something, mate. And then you're going to the flash. So it's just the next level. All right, let's do it. Gosh, this is starting to sound like, and you get 12 well, steak knives. With... Something even cooler. Like, have you seen the difference between a regulated cooker and a non? I'm about to, I, I feel. So a regulated cooker essentially regulates how much oxygen goes in. The cool thing is, though, is the way that it, it changes its, um, it changes the heat, right? So the nice thing is it's one of those things you ideally want to see to believe, but just for fun, I'll show so when we have a regular PZO, the advantage is when we essentially get it sideways, it starts going red, and it starts throwing these really nice, cool little fireballs, okay, which are always fun to be throwing out outside of bars. So it's a good little party trick. Actually, there's someone inside looking very sternly, very sternly at me now. All right, here we go. We'll give another go. So whereas when we use a regulated cooker, it requires it, the gas comes on a little bit slower, gives us a little bit more control, but the temperature stays the same, so you don't get the same fireballs, which is disappointing everybody outside the bar right now. But the advantage being just more consistent cooking, and and better fuel savings as well. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> we just had this, a couple of really stern looks from people. <laughs> Bear in hand going, what What is? What are they doing? Because a big yellow flame just poured out. And then when you went to this other one, the new one, the Minimo, that didn't happen. And we're about to boil it just to see how long it takes. And 
James is pouring that ice cold water in again. Just to be fair, up to the max mark. We don't need to put that on. No, we don't need to put the stabilizer on a table. Yeah, yeah. We're relatively stable. It is one of those other things, though, that I like about it because it makes it less tip overable. So if you've got little kids, you know, if you've got lots of beers, uh, both running around at the same time, something usually is going to get tipped over. Stabilize it. Yeah, tell you the stabilizer, and this is nothing to do with jet boil. I've got, I've had one of these for other cookers that I've got. I don't know where I managed. And by the way, just let the jet boil. Then I don't know where I got it from, but great in the forest. I actually push it into the ground and sort of mush it in. Um, seems to work a whole lot better. But these stabilizers, just as a safety thing, look, if you've got your standard old off-the-shelf cooker, you can get these for your um, your gas. And I'm not necessarily saying it's a jet boil one, but you can buy these separately. I think they're great, eh? They just they just mean they don't tip over. You know what I think? For it doesn't matter what cooker you use, so long as you're getting outside. Yeah. End of the day, right? I mean, that's what's important is getting out there and giving that back to your kids and and you know getting involved, right? The thing that I like about it, though, is it just allows it to be one less thing you have to think about. It's one less chance that you're taking. And the end of the day, especially the further into the bush you go into, right, the more consistent you want everything to work and the less you need to worry about of what ifs. Just something, uh, there's been a little bit of a breeze come through just then. And one of the things I've heard about Jetball, and I haven't experienced this personally, is that it doesn't like the wind. I'd like to ask you about that because... There's other brands out there that claim all sorts of things, and or Brand X. <laughs> but uh, what is it? What's it like in the wind? I mean, I see that the flame's moving. It hasn't gone out or anything silly like that. But I haven't even got it turned up to full yeah. because I want to conserve my own gas. Um, I find it works great. I mean, you know, I come from, like I said, I come from the Great Lakes of Ontario, where if it's not galing and it's not whitecaps on the water, then you don't know what to do with yourself and you get a little stir-crazy. So we go out to the islands and we paddle and, you know, either by kayak or stand-up paddleboard, you know, all the time. Oh, we're boiled, by the way. It's done already. Um, I find it's fine. I find it works great. I don't really need a windshield for it. Um, but it's all relative to your condition. I find it works. I've used other cookers and I've used other stoves. I find it works. It's better than most. But it's partially because of the ring. You know, we use a, a flux ring, which basically just focuses the heat. The, uh, the other benefit is it just helps block the wind out of it, you know. So, uh, you know, I think anybody who says that it doesn't work well in the wind needs to go somewhere and, and where it's gusty instead of blowing hot air. Oh, okay. Yeah, you kind of answered my question there. But I have heard that. Pun. <laughs> With a cheesy pun as well. Look, uh, no, no, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I'm going to test it out in the wind, and I'm not going to let the results um, be known to the show just because I don't, I don't do reviews. I keep putting my foot down on that. But, look. Um, I, I do. I do have to say, I do really like the the product, and I've used it in probably the worst possible way. Hunting is hard on stuff, you know. The sport that we we really take on, and that is is the hunting, and and fishing is probably not much better. We're not um, we're not putting in a day pack and going across the the crossing once every six months you know we're doing some serious stuff and we're out there week on week out as much as we possibly can um can you tell us is it going to handle it so far so good for me yeah so far it's i mean i think it holds up great we we don't really get hardly any back on warranty the only reason we get the warranty back is because of popcorn burns and that's really about it um i find they hold up well the thing that holds up the best though to me is and not to get all salesy but it's the gas I've used every other kind of gas out there. Um, 
because I want to see for myself and because I don't, I don't buy hype. The cool thing that I like is, I mean, we say we get over 12 liters boiled per 100 gram canister, like for the small one, um, by comparison, usually to six for most companies. You know, most companies usually you can get about eight, um, eight, nine. Um, this one we're using right now, uh, this is actually my 17th boil that I've done with it. Um, so, you know, I think the value's there, which is great. Um, some people feel you spend a buck more, but I get double the boil time. So I think if I can go into the bush with something that's going to be reliable as hardware and the fuel that's going to last twice as long so I don't have to carry as much, it just, again, end of the day, it's easier. And I think you made a really good point there, maybe, with that realizing it, that, that hunters rely on, on things being reliable. You know, and uh, and this enough to heat my food actually could be the difference between maybe life or, or or not. You know, or having a really comfortable stay while I'm out there, or or not. So I I do want this to work. I don't want to. I'm not endorsing the product, but if I take this out into the bush and it doesn't work, I'm going to be pissed. Well, I think the other factor that you have to take into account is, you know, um, my other background is as a volunteer firefighter, and when it, things are working really really well for the amount of time you're out there, hey, that's great. But is it going to work on the time that I didn't intend to be out there? You know, when you get stuck, when you get stuck in weather, things go to custard, you got to feed somebody else. I mean, it's that's when you, you, you cannot afford for your equipment to, to not function. And it's key. So how, if I, I've never actually done this experiment, but how, man, how many boils am I going to get out of one canister? You, you kind of allude to it, but realistically... If I'm going out for 10 days, I'm going to boil my jet boil for like, three times a day, do the sums. What sort of length of time is, is gas going to last? You know, even if you overflow gas and, and just run it at full spark, um, which you don't really need to, but, you know, we will be very confident to say that you will get, out of a 100-gram canister, you're going to get 10 boils. So that's... So for every three days-ish, I'm going to be needing another canister, right? Yeah, about every three to four days. I mean, if you're being conserv like a little bit conservative, you can go way longer with it. But I'd rather give worst-case scenarios than best-case scenarios. What is really cool about these is they just fit into a standard canister, too. Your, your friend can have their large whatever canister to fit on their little whatever cooker, and it'll go straight onto that. You don't have to get the miniature jet boil canisters. It's advisable because they fit inside and they do all the good stuff, but you don't have to. Eh? Anything will go on there. No, it's a universal fit. It fits with absolutely any cooking system out there. I mean, the other thing is, is we do bigger sized ones. If, I mean, if you want to have one canister that's going to last you for almost a whole season, go get a 450. You might as well take out the, you know, the old barbecue you know, propane cylinder. It'll last about as long, but you know, but that's exactly it. You know, it's just more efficient fuel. And you can get other accessories too. Right? You've got a pan and all that kind of stuff. The uh, the sumo, gosh, it does sound like a, <laughs> an infomercial, but you've got sumo. You've got heaps of stuff that can go on the top. Eh? Actually, I'm going to give you guys an exclusive. In fact, coming down the pipe, it hasn't landed in New Zealand yet. You're going to be able to get a multi-functional system. So if you want to put a big honking sumo to do your pasta, and then you want a mini mo to do your sauce separately to run off the same cylinder. That system's coming for those guys who want to use like basically a multi-element cooking system. It's coming down the pipe. Okay. Okay. So there's there's stuff coming. Now uh, back to D James. Now you you're a hunter. You've done or you're not a hunter. You've done some hunting. Is, would I be right there? Yeah. yeah. And and what's cool is where you're from. You do moose hunting. 
and that's something I've never experienced. So I'm going to ask you, have you got a good moose hunting story? Yeah, I've got a good moose hunting story with even a bit of a moral to it, actually. We'll do it. <laughs> he just stared at me. Like, come on, so give us the story. Got to be some dramatic pause, mate. Come on. So we were out in the Algoma region just, and I have to say it like a true northerner and like go full Canadian redneck. So we was up in the, in the Algoma region, like up by Algonquin up in the north. And uh, we spotted out like a really beautiful, uh, it was a solid, you know, 12 point uh, bull moose. Beautiful animals. If you haven't had a chance, they can get quite aggressive. You do want to keep your distance if you can. But man, when they move through snow, there's nothing like it. So in about knee-deep snow, um, tracking down this bad boy, got a good shot, nice clean kill, starting to go for um, what looked like over a slight creek bed. But unfortunately, we got beat to the punch, and uh, we had a cougar come across the track. So a cougar comes in, spies us, give us a good look, and we stopped, as, as you should, stop dead. Um, unfortunately, the ice over the creek wasn't that thick, so it went right through, you know, probably about pits deep into the ice. The moral of the story is, no matter what you're after or what beautiful thing happens, when a really smart cougar crosses your trail, freeze. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that moral. <laughs> Thank you very much, James. And the look you gave me was priceless as well. But look, thank you so much for this. And I am really interested at some point to try out the Soul. Uh, sorry, the Mini Mole. It's a, new, it's a new version of the Soul. My bad. The Mini Mole. I'm, I want to try one of these out. Give it a go. And and because uh, and, that, that is my bugbear, that it doesn't simmer. Um, so so let's make that happen somehow. But thank you so much for doing the interview. I'll even lend this to you this weekend. You can take it out for a go if you want. How about this? Rather than this weekend, can I have this until like the middle of next week? Because Mark, one of our regulars on the show, him and I are heading down. We're going to do uh, some serious, serious hunting in the next few days, and I'll try that out. And if I like it, I'm not giving it back. <laughs> this means you guys are going to compare recipes. I know how this works. You just, it's just like housewives, but only in the bush. It's all good. You would have heard that show with Mark Clinch roaring up those early Seeker stags. Unsuccessfully, unfortunately, really early in this year's Seeker roar. That's right. Mark Clinch and I are actually trying to head down to Whanganui to do a, a private land hunt and more about that next week. we just got to look at the weather, see what's happening and what's going on. You may have noticed in the audio just gone that we had a little bit of trouble on and off with our connection. I'm not sure what's going on there or what happened. Um... We'll do our very best to fix that for next week, guys. Remember, you can win that great prize from NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. All you've got to do is be a fan with the show. It's that simple. Like us on Facebook, email us, get in touch, and you could win that great 12-month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. I look forward to hearing from you. Be careful out there, guys, and good hunting.